Hey y'all, and welcome to this month's episode of Who Made You Sis, brought to you by the Diaz Collections, and this is your host, Floriana Diaz. Who Made You Sis is an archival documentation of spiritual dialogue with fellow Black women, creatives, storytellers, healers, and wellness practitioners. This podcast harnesses our existence in our truest forms. It is in commemoration of folklore, narrative, and language. When we surrender to our blueprint, our reimagined selves, we are closer to discovering our individual and collective God selves in the clouds, on grass, on water, on everything. These conversations live in assurance to pass themselves forward into our collective memory. This episode is entitled To Be This Free and will be in spiritual dialogue with Rahilu Diallo. Rahilu Diallo is a creative producer based in Brooklyn. She was born in Guinea and moved to the United States at the age of six. Growing up in a Ghanaian community, she never imagined her life beyond being a wife and a mother. Inspired by the social injustices faced by women in Guinea, her goal has always been to inspire women to be their own superheroes and create the life that they want for themselves. She has been awarded multiple scholarships, including the BET Black Girls Rock, Imagine a Future Scholarship, and the Merrill Lynch Girl Scout Scholarship. She is the host of The Toilet Podcast, a space designed for users to vent and find a supportive community amongst each other. She is currently working on expanding her brand into a digital online platform, and she hopes to one day build a school in Guinea that focuses on teaching women how to use technology and media to tell their stories. I am so honored to share space with her today. Let's get into it. So... I'd first love for you to um, let us know your name, place of origin, and a little bit about your work. Wow, this is... <laughs> okay, um, my name is Rahilu Diallo. I'm originally from Guinea, West Africa, and I am a producer and a model. Mm, okay, and where are you based, or do you find um, home, or if you define home as that? Or... I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, perfect. Um, and also, I want to ask you is, it's a hard question, but I think, um, how do you define yourself or how do you want to be defined, if at all? Um, I honestly, for a long time, I tried to define myself. But now that I'm finding that sometimes when you define yourself, you put yourself in a box and it doesn't give you the opportunity to grow and try new things because you're so married to that definition of who you think you are. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't want to define myself anymore. I think I just kind of want to let life lead me, let my heart lead me and just continue to grow and and make and make memories and have experiences and just live life. I know it sounds weird, but honestly, like I've tried so hard to put myself in a box and it just never makes sense because I am a Muslim woman who I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I'm Muslim. I'm a woman. Um, you know, I'm Fulani and, you know, sometimes the things the way these I doesn't necessarily fit who I am right like I'm a little bit of this I'm a little bit of that and I'm a little bit of this and it's like there's just no one way to define who I am so yeah I like to take bits and pieces from every part of my identity the things that I'm comfortable with you know the things that I feel like make me happy I take those things and the things that you know I may not necessarily be a fan of I leave them behind but if I were to combine all those parts of me, I, I wouldn't be able to find a word. Maybe the world would just be Rahilu, which is my name. So <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, that's that's the best way. If I was to define myself, I guess I would just say I am Rahilu. Yeah, I think that names are so important. 
Um, do you know what your name means? Um, I okay, so I was named after. So I was named. My dad gave me my name, Rahilu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was named after the Prophet Yusuf's mom, I believe. So I don't know what it means, but I did look it up, and I'm I've met a lot of people. Uh, that have the similar name, but so the name is actually Rahel, which is actually right. Rachel. Right. Okay. So, okay. um, but in our culture, they put a OU at the end of everything. So if you take out like the root of it, Rahil means traveler in Arabic. Mm. Um, and then, you know, because we're Fulani and from the Guinean community, we put a OU at all end of everyone's name, basically. So Rahilu right. is like, basically, I guess it means traveler, but it's really from the Quran, which is the prophet Yusuf's mom's name. And yeah, my dad, he gave me the coolest name ever. That is such a beautiful name. Thank you. Yeah, I so it's so crazy because not until I was probably around 18 or 19, I actually took the time to figure out what my name meant. Wow. Yeah, and it, I, I guess, I mean, I have a very interesting relationship with names, but I, I think um, I wish I had taken the time to know it sooner mm-hmm. um but it means of the sea mm. and i swear the moment i realized that i was like oh my god mm. i like have a new relationship with myself yeah you know um not only as a cancer mm. but just as someone that feels has always felt at home um in around surrounded or in large bodies of water mm-hmm. i was like oh my goodness Wow. This changes everything. It does. It really you know? does. It really does. It changes everything. And I spent a long, a long, a, a large portion of my life uh, with a last name and a middle name that I ended up legally changing about two years ago. Oh, wow. Three years oh. ago now. Yeah. So it's like names are so interesting. So, so what, what, what led you to change it? It's such an interesting story. So I was adopted and um, uh, the people who adopted me gave me a middle and uh, last name, mm-hmm. like their middle and last name mm-hmm. um, in relation to their culture. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had a Jewish last name mm-hmm. for 18 years and I never practiced Judaism and I never felt connected to Jewish culture whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's very common with adopted experiences is they rename their children, their adopted children, mm-hmm. um, which I think is criminal in some ways um but it gives you this this immense detachment from from your origin right Mm -hmm. um and on top of the you know the already inevitable separation then you're kind of detached from your culture and and names like we're talking about are so they they give us a form of identity Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. sacred identity and so when I met my birth mother um, for the first time about two years ago I came back from the experience and I changed my name my middle name to um, Gabrielle, which was the name that she wanted to name me at birth, the name she chose for me at birth, um, which my adopted parents changed. And then I took her last name, Diaz. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's so, I, I think that I have such a, a beauty or, or uh, such a fascination um, with what names mean. And also like the, the, um, I don't want to say baggage is the wrong word, but the stories that they carry. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so interesting. I really appreciate you for talking to me about that because you're like, that's how I want to be defined by my name. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I feel very similarly in the, in the way of like, I, they carry roots, they carry origin, mm-hmm. they carry memories, mm-hmm. they carry past and present and future, mm-hmm. everything in our name. Mm-hmm. And so it's really lovely to, to hear that that's how you define yourself. Absolutely. I think. That's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, for um, me, like in my community, literally, there are like five names that everyone has. So it's like mm. you have the Khadijas, the Mariamas, the 
the Aishas, like everybody, there's like at least five Mariamas in my family. There's 10 Khadijas. And then, you know, like a lot of times when I meet people from my community, when I say my name is Rahilu, they're like, what? You know, and it's like, where did you get that name from? It's almost like it's such a different name. And I think it just speaks to like the person that I am, like even in my family, like I kind of stand out, you know? So yeah, like it's just, that's just the definition. Rahilu. Ah, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. I needed to hear that today. I really did. Um, So talk to me a little bit about, um, I want to tap into kind of your artistry and your work um, and what your work means to you. So I want to ask you is how has your artistry and your work um, and the collective Black consciousness, if you will, um, impacted your individual and collective healing? I find that everything that I've ever created in my life was created at a time where I needed healing. Yeah. I think that, well, I know that now that I'm a person that heals through my work. Um, And so even with like the toilet podcast, right? Like initially this started off as a blog. I was a junior in college and I felt like I didn't really have anyone to talk to, right? I felt like I could talk to the people around me, but I was always afraid of like being judged. So initially the idea started from just like creating a space where people could flush, vent, and not have to worry about Mm -hmm. um, having their names attached to it or having someone judge them for for whatever they were going through, right? And so it just became a space and people would talk about all sorts of things. Like the, the craziest things that like, you probably seen this person in the hallway, but you don't. And this right. is the, the thing that they're experiencing. Um, so, and initially, again, like that was supposed to be a space for myself, but I extended that to my community. And then, um, you know, when I did pivot to start the toilet podcast too, like I wanted to have conversations with folks about the things that they were experiencing. And every time I recorded an episode, I always felt like I had let go of so much. I always felt less heavier. Um, I did have to take a pause because life got a bit hectic, grad school work, you know, just trying to navigate my personal space. And I found that it no longer felt fun. It became, it started to feel like a chore. Right. And I I didn't want that feeling anymore. What I really wanted to do was just talk to people (laughs) and I didn't want to have to deal with all the extra stuff. So I kind of took a pause with that. And then the, the other thing that I also created was the Heritage Project, which is a project basically highlighting legacy and really talking to people about what legacy they want to leave behind. Because a lot of times you find that folks are like kind of obsessed with like people from the past, right? Like you're obsessed with mm-hmm. all these heroes and all these legends. And it's like, hey, like, yeah, this person is amazing, but like, how are you creating your legacy? How are you contributing to, to your community? So those were like the two projects, the big projects that I've created. And I think both of those projects came from just me wanting to, needing to heal, right? And needing to like, yeah. to be around my community and needing to have conversation and needing a new perspective. And so, yeah, like I healed through my work. Yeah, same. I honestly can say that I think that that's so a crucial element for me or not even a crucial element, but the more that I create, the more I realize that I need it desperately, you know, and that, and it's so interesting because I used to think that, and then so I think we all have these conversations sometimes, or we realize this through creative growth is that it is not in the result. Mm -hmm. And I used to think I used to brush myself and push mm-hmm. myself so mm-hmm. hard to get to the end point so that I could show what I had mm-hmm. done. But I think like 
there's something so beautiful about what can happen to the human heart while you are in process Mm -hmm. of anything, Mm -hmm. you know, when I think that that's where the real like essential motion, the idea of movement Mm -hmm. and growth happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that in the result, there's not the same kind of movement that happens while you're in process. Absolutely. And or when you think about it, too, like, it's it's like, I think creating, it's almost like giving birth, right? You're giving birth to an <laughs> idea. And, like, the time that you sp- spend, the time that you spend incubating, like, thinking about the idea, developing the idea, pouring so much into it. And sometimes once you put it out in the world, it's no longer yours, right? And you have to be okay with people adding their two cents to that. So... I, I agree when you say that, like, the result is so different. It's the process. It's the everyday, the, the nit- nitpicking, like, adding, removing. Mm-hmm. That's what really, again, like, and I guess that's what healing is too, right? Like, you know, when you really think about healing, sometimes you think, and at least I know, I used to think, like, okay, I have a problem. I'm healed. I'm done. I never have to yeah. deal with this again, right? Yeah. And then a month mm-hmm. later, here you are again in the same space, thinking about the same thing over and over again. And it's really about just allowing yourself the space to kind of like be in those moments, right? And let things happen and let things flow as opposed to like rushing, rushing so hard to get to that end. So I definitely agree with you when you say that it's really not about the the product or the end product. It's really about the process. The process. Oh my gosh. You're like the voice in my head because I've, I had so many of these exact thoughts, like word for word, what you have just said, Mm -hmm. um, um, that I have thought over the last, I guess, two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is like, it's like giving birth to something every single time Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And the way that we nourish and the way that we feed Mm -hmm. and the way that we protect Mm -hmm. and the way that we hold space Mm -hmm. for that process, Mm -hmm. I think is so influential on even on the results mm-hmm. you know and so I, or the space that you will find yourself once you give that up and it no longer belongs to you because that's a very very terrifying mm-hmm. place at least has been mm-hmm. for me it is place to be it's absolutely terrifying having to create something and, and give it to the world and sometimes I find that when I create something once I publish it I have a hard time like like watching it, seeing it again. Like sometimes I don't listen yeah. to podcast episodes after they're out because I'm like, mm, yeah, it belongs to the world now, you know. So right, right, yep. It's definitely mm. terrifying, but um, the process over results any day. Yeah, it's it's so crazy because I think about I when I came back from meeting my birth mother, I I had written a book while I was there, and I didn't realize it was a book. But when I came home. I like, okay, well, like maybe this is a book. And I was tired of people asking me like, how was the experience? Instead, I was like, just read mm-hmm. my book. Because like, this is what I wrote word mm-hmm. for word while mm-hmm. I was there. And it's unedited. I, everything that was crossed out in my journal at the time is crossed out in the book. Like, this is what I was feeling in the exact mm-hmm. moment that mm-hmm. I was feeling it. And once I gave that to the world, I had, uh, looking back on it, I don't know if I would do it again this way, but I had like a book launch or a book signing mm-hmm. event where I did a reading from the book and read some poems and signed some books and all my close family and friends came. And after I released that book into the world, I was severely depressed for a very Mm -hmm. long time. And I think part of that was that first, my first initial process of this is not mine Mm -hmm. anymore. And this is such an an immensely vulnerable Mm -hmm. experience that I'm now giving to the world, giving birth and now it belongs in Mm -hmm. the world. And I don't know how to handle Mm -hmm. that because people can, taint my trauma however Mm -hmm. they want 
They can misinterpret what I have written. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, so many things can happen now that it is not just me writing and reading it Mm -hmm. myself. And I've had a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. trying to now from after that experience, having written that Mm -hmm. book, then trying to write about that experience again Mm -hmm. now or in, or within the last couple of years after the book has been published trying to then write myself back to that mm. place or tap back into those energies has been so challenging mm-hmm. and i think that that the beautiful thing the gift that i got and the lessons that i learned from that experience is that art is so invaluable mm-hmm. absolutely art can is untouchable absolutely. in so many ways once that has been released from your mm-hmm. vessel it's almost untouchable yeah. No matter what you create, it's divine. Absolutely. It almost lives with like a white light mm-hmm. around it. And it's so sacred and I, too. And sometimes I find right. that as artists, we also have this desire to just put things out, right? And I feel like not everything you create needs to be put out into the world, right? Sometimes you can create something and keep it to yourself and keep it for yourself. And I find that most of the, and especially because again, like I say, I I use creativity to heal right and a lot of the things that I've created that has helped me heal the world has never seen you understand yeah and so I I could definitely understand why you felt like you were stripped away after sharing that with the world because I like I can't imagine like what it's like meeting your birth mother for the first time and I also think that it's brave that you took the time to be in that space and to document that while it was happening as opposed to waiting till after it was done because then you get all the the raw true feelings right and that's brave like someone like me I would probably wait till after and kind of like process but right right Right. I definitely find that you know it's hard like being a creative is hard and again like it imagine giving birth to something and just everybody's like no this is not good enough right right exactly exactly and I think that that's why I've it's such a it's such a beautiful process because exactly what you just said is like that was in the moment word for word documenting this second by second and that was the blood Mm -hmm. the bone you know the the rawest it could Mm -hmm. possibly be and I think that once then I gave that to the world it was like there's nothing Mm -hmm. left Mm -hmm. for me that isn't for Mm -hmm. anyone else like you've mm-hmm. seen the most vulnerable I could possibly be. I've never asked myself to be that vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Let alone to document it and then have mm-hmm. people read it. And so I think that the the there's a lesson in that as well. It's like we are, like you said, we are entitled to pro- privacy. We are entitled to mm-hmm. agency. We are allowed to choose what is given and what Absolutely. is not, what is for, to be seen and what is to be left Absolutely. unseen. And I think when we give ourselves that agency because I would read like Sonia Sanchez and Alice Walker and Toni Morrison. And I would be like, this is the blood and this Mm -hmm. is the bone. And I know them like I know my mother or I know them like I, you know, like they're Mm -hmm. a loved one. They're giving all of themselves in this, in their, into their Mm -hmm. artistry. And what do Mm -hmm. they have left? Mm -hmm. You know? And that would make me think Mm -hmm. about that because I, you, it's like, it's that thing of like, you have to be able to Mm -hmm. choose and when you allow yourself to choose, because I think there's a lot of pressure too as artists from external mm-hmm. forces, especially as Black women creatives of 
we're expected to be strong, but we're expected mm-hmm. to give. And up. you know, even with like the way things are now, right? Everything is a business. Everything is a brand. Everything mm-hmm. is a this, and everything is a that. And it's like it puts yeah. you in a space where you're constantly thinking about like, oh, what do I need to share with the world? What do I need to share with the world? And I think sometimes yeah. it's important to to understand that not everything is for the world, right? Not everything yeah. is for the world. And that's okay. Like, I think artists need to understand that because then it just puts so much pressure on you and you're not able to create authentically because you're worried about yes. filling a quota or you're worrying about your next Instagram post, right? And it it takes away from your art. Yeah, it takes away from your art. And I think it has a huge effect Absolutely. internally uh, Absolutely. on our mental health and on the way that we Absolutely. show up for ourselves and each other. Yeah, absolutely. So this kind of leads into this interesting question is when you feel defeated, where do you go or what energies do you tap into or are there names that you call upon? For me, honestly, when I feel defeated, I pray. Um, That is Mm -hmm. the thing that brings me peace. Um, That is the thing that makes me feel settled. Um, I'm Muslim. Uh, Yeah. And prayer has been the thing that has saved me so many times. Like I can't even begin to say and you know like for me I don't always necessarily feel like I'm able to articulate the things that I'm feeling right I'm not able to articulate and sometimes I don't want to journal and I kind of just hold the feelings in in my body right and when I literally feel defeated I don't move I just kind of like stay still right I'm in bed all the time I don't want to go anywhere you don't see me for a really really long time um, and so mm-hmm. I just take that time to pray and talk to God. And I think that for me is the thing that just helps me because I think as black women, sometimes we have a hard time surrendering, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but mm-hmm. surrendering can mean different things, right? Surrendering can mean that, okay, you can reach out to someone and tell them <laughs> what you're going through, but Hey, all the black women that I know that could understand what I'm going through already have their own baggage, Right. So sometimes I just yeah. like to think and just call upon a higher power and just have faith that like, you know, I've been here before and I, I'm well equipped. I have enough courage and strength and that this is just somewhat of a phase um, and that, you yeah. know, it'll get better. And it always does. Yeah. Yeah. This oh, my mom used Absolutely. to tell me that all the time when I was a kid. And man, I, I think I spoke about this. I hated hearing that. I hated hearing this too shall pass. Yeah. I'm like, bro, like, it's been a long time. Like, when is it going to pass? <laughs> I'm, we're still here, ma'am. Like, come on. But you're right. Uh-huh. That is the first lesson that my mother taught me was that this too shall pass. And I hated it so I hated hearing that so much. But, you know, every day that I wake up now, I look at my life and I'm like, wow, like, I can't even believe that this is the life that I get to live. And I, I would have never, like... Mm-hmm imagined that I would be able to be in this space and to be this happy and to be able to laugh and to be this free and to not feel so much baggage and so much weight and to not feel heartbroken and to genuinely like just feel light like I like I as a kid like I wanted so much for myself but it was like oh I want to be rich I want to have money I want to have this but what I ended up getting the healing um Mm-hmm. It's so much more than I ever imagined. So yeah, it it passed. She was right. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it sometimes it takes a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it takes it a does. minute, and I think that that you spoke to it too, and so important this idea of surrendering because I think it's a conversation that we have yeah. to have more 
of, we need more of, because I've noticed for me, because it's similar lessons that my mama taught me as a child of like, the more that you release, the more mm-hmm. that you surrender, the more that you will tap into your own mm-hmm. personal freedom. Yeah. And it makes no sense. It seems very mm-hmm. counterintuitive, right? Or I used to think yep. that it was like, oh, I have to let mm-hmm. go and release to mm-hmm. feel free. Yeah. What do you mean? But it, it, the older that I get, the more I realize that there are so many, I think that even surrendering in a weird way is a, is a birthing mm-hmm. ritual. I think that it allows you to give birth to things that you might have never have known that you Absolutely. had the capacity Absolutely. to give birth to. Absolutely. I, yeah, I think it expands your capacity as a human being when you say, okay, I'm just going to let this go. I'm going to really. And, and that's like letting surrender, letting go. That shit is hard. I don't even know if I could curse on this podcast, but. <laughs> no, but it's truly, it's, it's hard hard man it's so hard um especially when you've been hurt or you know when like you've been violated in some type of way it's so hard but I find that like and I always said this before like letting go and forgiving will be the thing that will literally save your life because if you don't you walk around carrying other people's stuff Mm -hmm. that and it doesn't belong to you and then it's like you wonder why you feel so heavy you wonder why you're always triggered and it's like you're holding on to things that don't belong to you, right? So when you finally learn to let those things go, you make space for yourself to to come out. You know, you make yes, right? you make space for side. yourself yep. to to just be. And so the thing that that helps me with that is really prayer because it's like I know again, like I know the reason why I'm probably <laughs> successful is because I literally use work to like distract myself yeah. from anything that I've ever experienced in my life. Right. Like I, and I said this on my first podcast, like if I, if someone pissed me off in my house, I would apply to our scholarship and I would get it. Like right. if someone right. pissed me off, I'm applying to an internship and I would get it. And because of that, I've been able to, you know, be in so many incredible spaces, but then it's like, all right, cool, but you're still not healed. Right. And I have to really take time to yeah. like, let go and make space and not react to everything right sometimes things happen and you don't need to react you can just be you know and so that's that's what I'm learning every day you know just surrender 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 it's hard hard. Mm -hmm. it is so hard but you even said too I think prayer it not only opens Mm -hmm. you up like it, it fully expands you to God or higher power or spirit, mm-hmm. however you want to put it. But it also, I think, opens you up to mm-hmm. omens, mm-hmm. to signs, to clear signs. I think that when I am in conversation or in communion with spirit, I feel more open or I feel more mm-hmm. aware to in the intentional signs that are being put mm-hmm. in my path to allow me to be Absolutely. my best. And you know, like... It's interesting that there's there's this conversation about manifesting, right, all the time, right? And it's like, yeah. you know, as Muslims, like we pray, and I don't necessarily hear us use that language, but I like to think that when you're praying, you're talking to God about the things that you want. You're asking mm-hmm. God, the higher power, whatever you want to say about the things that you want. It's a way of manifesting too. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't think that's always... Yeah connected but yeah manifest talk ask for what you want you know ask for the things that you need um yeah so yes yes and this this is a this is a perfect thing if i wanted to ask you as well of how do you allow your higher self to live on in and through you I, i wouldn't even like i wouldn't even i make space i make space i think that's that would be the answer i make space and i try to you know 
get rid of anything that's making me feel small, making me feel like I should shrink. And I try to make as much space for that person to to just show up and come out and, and feel comfortable and feel safe enough to like be who she is. Yeah. Do you feel like as a child, how has that experience evolved since your childhood? Because I think, does that make sense? Because I think for me as a child, I would, I didn't know how not to show oh, yeah. myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am a, I'm a woman who grew up in an African household who, yeah. you know, there are so yeah. many cultural expectations being a, a, a Fulani Muslim woman. Like, you, literally, you're, you were born to be small. That is what it is. Like, like we live in a, we come from communities that want us to be small so bad. Like, it's almost like, how dare you be large? How dare you show up? How dare you laugh loud? How dare you wear bright colors? How dare you have a personality? Literally. So, you know, I, I grew up in a space where, you know, we were constantly being nitpicked for little things. Like, you danced like my thing I've always been this way like if people that know me in real life that follow me on social media one thing about me I'm going to dance like <laughs> if music comes on <laughs> I'm dancing right and so right. you know that was just something that was unacceptable so I, I remember when I was in middle school I used to take dance classes and I remember having to like my family literally told me you can't do this you have to stop right like and that was a thing that like I loved. And as I'm growing older now, it's like I start I'm starting to do all the things that I loved doing as a kid, right? Because now I'm a grown woman and it's like yeah. I live, yeah. you know, yeah. by myself. I mean, well, don't edit that part out. But I'm a grown woman. <laughs> don't tell them I live by myself because somebody <laughs> gonna come for me. But you know, now I'm an adult. Right. And it's like <laughs> I'm finding that I have to go back to the root, you know, like to the things that make me happy. But yeah, like shrinking is the thing that all the women that, you know, are in my family <laughs> have taught me. Like, you know, like they tell yeah. me that even now, like I'm a, again, I'm a woman, first woman in my family to have a college degree, like as, as on my maternal side, like the first woman on my maternal side to have a college degree, the first woman on my maternal side to have a master's degree. The first woman on my maternal side to not wear a hijab. Like, you know, it's it's so many things. It's like mm-hmm. I've just been like a the outlaw, you know, always always had the scarlet letter on me since I was a kid. And you know, I used to feel ashamed of it. I used to feel so ashamed of it. And I wanted nothing more than to be just like everybody else. I wanted to fit in. I wanted, you know, my mom to look at me and be proud. You know, I wanted for my Fulani friends to like think I was just like them but the older I got I realized I was just so different from everyone around me and the more I tapped into that the more freedom I gained the happier I became and I was just like yeah like I'm not playing these games with y'all y'all not gonna make me small like I just I like yeah it's like my body rejects it like even if I tried like I couldn't do it and I know that a lot of times for these women it's almost like a performance right like um, you have to perform or or like kind of like it's like a you have to it's a pretentious almost. It's like you have to pretend to be good. And then when you talk to these women, they're miserable. And it's like, no, like I'm I yeah. just Yeah, I can't like I, I cannot live that life, man. It's just not for me. So the more I just leaned into just the root who I am, the 
everything yeah. that I was yeah. told, not everything, but just like the things that I was shunned for being a kid, just the happier I became. And I'm just like, all right, like, I like this person. And yes. I have to live with myself. So I think am I really going to sit here and, right. and mm-hmm. change myself so you can think I'm good enough? Because quite frankly, we're humans. And when you think about it, if you really live your life trying to convince someone to accept you, there's always, like you're that's never going to happen because there's always going to be a thing happen. that yeah. is not good enough. And it's like, I'm good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's all that matters. The first traveler. I that's literally, you. Literally. You are the first traveler. That's so beautiful because you were, and you were saying you were naming all of these things that you did first in your family. And I think it's so fitting that you're, that yeah. the traveler aspect of your name I've, because I've you have traveled, traveled and, and you've been the first I've one. I've traveled and I've been through, I've experienced so many things, so many things. things I feel yeah. like I've lived so many different lives. Like when I talk to my friends, I'd be like, oh yeah, like when I was a kid, I did this. And they're like, when did you do that? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, but it happened. I don't you know, know, but I, I know would I say that. Like, it. And that's why I think it's yeah. so important that I said that my dad, he gave me my name because I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm the first mm-hmm. traveler. I would say that he was the first traveler. Right. And I think that traveler. he passed that on yeah. to me. And so it's kind of like just yeah. continuing that journey. Lineage. The lineage. Simple. Yeah. 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 Simple as that. And I love that, the embracing the inner child, because I think, too, we spend so much of our lives going away from that without even really consciously knowing, maybe. Um, But I know that I have of like I take myself so or used to take I'm working on that, but trying not to take myself so seriously all the time and trying to really laugh, be intentional about when I allow myself to laugh and to let myself go, you know, like to let myself really go. Like not be so concerned with how I look when I cry mm-hmm. or how I look when I laugh and let myself get real ugly mm-hmm. with it if I want to. You know, like really as children, I think they are mm-hmm. coming back to that place mm-hmm. as as children and tapping into that space mm-hmm. and healing that space. So I think even as a child or as children, mm-hmm. we go through a lot of pain. And at that time in our lives, we might not necessarily and, know and how to release as children, it it's like or let it go. You know, children that go through so much pain, it's like sometimes you don't even know that that's pain because it feels like a norm, you know? It feels like this is the way Mm -hmm. it should be. And then you go outside and you meet people that had regular childhoods and you're just like, oh, that's what you did when you were a kid? This is what I was doing. This is what I was experiencing, you know? This is what I was doing. And then you carry that on into adulthood. Like you think those things are normal and you have like the the other most, like I would say the the most important part of, you know, journeying and healing is unlearning. Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. unlearning. Yeah. Unraveling. Yep. Like that is the, that, that is the stuff that will literally also change your life because, you know, again, like you're taught that things are a certain way. And that's why it's so important to leave. You have, you yeah. have to go. Yep. Yeah. Because if you yep. stay in the same community, yeah you're literally going to be a clone of everybody you know. And like what well, that's one thing about me. I like I I've been to Spain. I went to Spain for 4 months my senior year of college to study abroad. Yes. For no reason whatsoever, right? <laughs> like, literally no reason. And I remember one of my friends, she's like, "Aren't you afraid that you're going to miss out?" And I'm like, "I've been in the school for three and a half years. There is nothing that 
you like there's nothing that's gonna happen that I probably already have an yeah. experience. What are we gonna do? We're gonna go to parties, we're gonna talk about boys, we're gonna have right. fashion shows, like we've done right. all that. Like I wanna experience new things and yeah. I found that else. when I was away from my family, right? My religious family is when I became closer to God. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're you're with these people yeah. every day and they're very religious. And yeah, like granted to say I was religious too, but I felt like when I was away from all those people is when I became closest to God. You understand what I'm saying? So it just mm-hmm. opened up it it opens yeah. up different doors for you. So I tell everybody, you have to go sometimes. You have to leave. You have to unlearn. You have to surrender. You have to cry. You have to laugh. You have to dance. You have to heal. And like, yeah. it's just this idea of like being so serious. And it's like, what am I being serious for? Like, yeah, life is, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's, short. It's, and it's not guaranteed and So yeah, I'm going to wait till tomorrow to laugh. I'm going to laugh today. Right. I'm laughing right now, like right. Well, like, exactly. exactly. Where I know this moment because is really we're taught right. that, like we're right. taught to live for the future. We're taught to live for the future, mm-hmm. and all my life, like I've lived for the future. Like I've been like, okay, I'm gonna suck it up today, and tomorrow, or when I graduate, or when I get a job, or when I get this. But now, it, I'm living for right yeah. now because I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't know what conditions I'm gonna be tomorrow. So I'm gonna take advantage of everything that I have right. now and make the best of that and I feel like that is when you really start to live life yeah yeah and I think that is the most crucial um element Mm -hmm. of healing the inner child I really do because I think that they are children like my sisters are very young Mm -hmm. they're seven and eight and I look at them and I'm like you are the perfect example of what mm. it is to be unapologetically mm. present in this moment Absolutely. without a- without apology without apologizing for it without apologizing for existing or or saying or being any kind of way you are just present in this moment you're not thinking about what happened five minutes ago you're not going to think you're not thinking about what will happen five minutes five, five mm-hmm. minutes from now you're just here mm-hmm. and you're just living it and I think that without even, mm. without knowing anything, you know, without even thinking mm. about certainties or uncertainties about mm. life, you are just living it. And I think that there's something that we have, we have distanced ourselves, like I said, consciously or unconsciously mm-hmm. so far mm-hmm. from that experience. And for me, coming back to that of like, and especially in moments mm. where it's agonizing mm. to be in the moment where it's difficult and uncomfortable and painful and Mm -hmm. brings up things, Mm -hmm. but to sit in it. And I think that that can go across the board. Mm -hmm. It's easy to do when you're happy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's easy to do that in joy, in moments of joy, but especially in moments Mm -hmm. of grief or pain to allow yourself to be Mm -hmm. unapologetic in that moment and to love yourself. And you know, when it's hard for me, you know, I grew up in a community where I've never really seen people deal with, pain, suffer, none of that. Like I've never seen that process. Right. And it's always looked upon as a weakness, right? Like you cry, everybody makes, why are you crying? You know, I remember when I was a kid one time, yeah. like, I said something to my, one of one of my relatives. It's like, oh, I said in Fulani, and I was like, yeah, like I'm depressed. And I was like six. I don't even know how I knew, but like, and in, in our language is say like, right. like I have 
I have a worry or something like that. And I remember um, yeah, somebody, they were like, what are you worried about? Like, you don't have bills. You don't have this. You don't have that. Like, how could you possibly right. be worried, right? You know, and every time you cried, like, worried. you were looked upon as, like, weak. So it's like having to yeah. kind of, like... Yeah. And and honestly, at first, that's really what I thought. Like when my friends cried, I'd be like, "Girl, shut up," <laughs> you know, like because right. I'm taught at home. Right. So when I got yeah. I'm like, "Girl, why are you crying? Like it's gonna be okay. You'll be fine. Get it together." But you know, like right. the older I got, the more I realized that like I've never really grieved anything. Yeah. And so you know, in the last couple of years, I've had to create space for myself to grieve all those things. So imagine like 20 something years of baggage, you know, mm. of just like having to create space for yourself to grieve, to feel those feelings. And how I used to deal with things is like, okay, well, I mean, I'm busy. So I'm, I'm in an internship. I'm president of this. I'm this. Cause again, like I said, education, school work, like is really how I distract myself. So yeah. A bitch is accomplished. Like point oh mommy like right. dean's role doing announcements at school running my schools like instagram like i was the the bitch you know but it's yeah. like i had to really create space for myself to feel those feelings because what would happen is i would be like on a roll like for three months accomplishing everything and then one night i will wake up in the middle of the night and just cry and i was just like right. bro like yeah. what's good with me right like what's going on like you good right and the the less I did that (laughs) the less I I found myself waking up in the middle of the night and you know what I'm saying so it's it yeah it's important to grieve it's important to create space for that too and it's especially important to sit in that feeling and oh it's it's hard and it's ugly and it hurts it's so hard but you have to you have to that's the only way forward you have to. Yeah, it's the only yeah. way we can survive, I really believe. And thrive. Because you're going to be thriving, but you're going to be waking yeah. up in the middle of the night crying. Or you're going to be mm-hmm. thriving and you're crying. not even, you're and- even going to like really, truly understand what's happening in that time. And you're not able to really acknowledge your accomplishments because you're, you're ready to move on to the next thing. And right. I, for me, like that was really what happened. Like For someone who comes from where I come from, man... I've done some things, but it never it never felt like it was enough yeah. because it was just like, what's next, you know? But now, like, just waking up in the yeah. morning and eating breakfast is enough for me. Just yeah. existing is enough. Just existing and is enough. that is, yeah, that's growth. <laughs> that's growth. <laughs> that's everything growth. else. Is yeah, just exactly. Bonus. Like just breathing. That is growth. <laughs> that is enough. growth for me. Right. Oh, thank you so much for taking this time. Nah, this was beautiful. I feel like this. this is this was an incredible way to start my morning. Now I'm gonna be like reflecting and thinking about everything. And yeah, I think as women, we just we just gotta go inside. We gotta go. Inside. Yeah, we have to. We have to listen have to, to that inside voice. I'm telling you, the intuition always exactly. be knowing. And when you don't listen, listen to it, it you're only hope. doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of Who Made You Sis. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Diaz Collections. Today's episode was entitled To Be This Free in Spiritual Dialogue with Rahilu Diallo. You can find more of her work on social media at underscore Rahilu and at The Toilet Podcast. You can also follow us on social media at the Diaz Collections. If this episode resonated with your spirit, please leave a rating and a review. It really helps. Happy May, and I hope this month helps to reinforce or develop your own love ethics. Thank you for your unwavering love and light, sending you all high vibrations.